And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I have a little allergy problem going on today, so hopefully my voice doesn't come and go too much, but if it does, that's what's going on. But we are going to have some of the most fun I think I've ever had on this program because my guest is so cool, and she does something that is truly unique and is going to be so much fun, and I've already had fun giggling with her and preparing for the program. So join me in welcoming Suzanne Hines. Hello. Good morning, good morning. Well, before we jump in, let me tell people just a smidge about you. So Suzanne is an artist of a different kind. She's part filmmaker, part conceptual photographer, part satirist, part mad scientist, all of which equals one woman trying to change the world. Her work as an art director for TV greatly influences her art. It taught Suzanne to ha- that to have an impact, you must connect with your audience. Since she's trying to change public attitudes with her work, she uses mediums that have universal appeal, photography and video. It's for the same reason that she uses humor and performance art in a public setting. It's the best way to disarm people so that she can get through to them. So again, please join me in welcoming Suzanne. Thank you. Great, great. Well, I want to do something a little bit different from what we normally do because I want people to actually see what we're talking about as they are listening to the program. So Suzanne, briefly describe what you do, and then, of course, we'll touch on it in, in much more detail, and then tell people where to find your work online so they can be looking at it as we talk. Okay, so I have been working on a series, forget this, 14 years. You started when you were 12. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> when I started getting pressure to hurry up and get married before I turned uh-huh. into a spinster. <laughs> <sighs> and uh, I just thought there was something wrong with that picture. You know, I was a mm-hmm. successful career woman in one regard, but until I had a ring on my finger, people just didn't buy it. They didn't think that uh, I was bona fide as a woman. So I decided to take a poke at that and uh, take photographs to satirize expectations for women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it all ended up with uh, sort of a, a watershed moment when my own mom said, hurry up and get married, Susie. Just pick somebody. <laughs> you know, there's nobody. We've heard that before, there. right? Just settle down. So I, I got really mad at that time, and I said, Mom, what do you expect me to do? Go out and buy a family? This is fate we're talking about. It happens when it happens, if it happens at all. I can't just go make it happen. Uh, but I decided when I had a eureka moment, when I saw some mannequins in a, a storefront window, I thought, wow, I can go buy a family. I'm going to go in and buy 
some mannequins and take Kodak moments with this family of, well, I call them familykins, this artificial <laughs> family mm-hmm. to sort of prove a point that, um, you know, th- there is a role before for women that is just expected that right. kind right. of exists with or without you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I decided to start, you know, small, and I didn't really think that it would go anywhere. I just did sort of a, a private series of photographs, and I thought, ah, you know, who cares if it goes anywhere? I just wanted to do this. Um, but it turns out that, uh, you know, my friends thought it was hysterical. I thought they'd be insulted, but they... Uh, they loved it, and I decided to make Christmas cards out of the <laughs> the whole series, you know, posing just as families do for the right, ideal right. Christmas card moment. And, uh, you know, it, it ended up being really funny, and people just encouraged me over the years to keep it up. You know, I, I really didn't intend for it to be anything but, you know, just a small series for, you know, maybe it would hit a gallery. But um, actually, years later, uh, it ended up going – viral. Uh-huh. Now, I started this before the internet. Right, right. There was no option of sharing it with the world, but quite accidentally, it turned into um, something that has resonated with the world. Now, before I get too far down the road, go to SuzanneHeinz.com and, and, and see these pictures. And there's also a film on there that you can see that I've turned this into, uh, I've grown this project into a series of films called Playing House. Okay, so now that you're there, back to the story. Um, So the reason why I'm sort of the poster child for what the internet can do is that my, my story unintentionally went around the world and has been covered in over 500 publications. A year later, it went viral again, and um, because of that, it has changed the trajectory of my entire career path. I thought I was just going to work for the man as an art director for television for the rest Uh of my days, but um, the reason why I started this photo project is creatively, it was unfulfilling, and now, because of the internet, I'm going to hang in a European museum. Um, I've had uh, my own solo gallery show. Now I'm going to have another show in Bulgaria, another place. Wow. wow. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about it. But, you know, the world can reach you now. When I started mm-hmm. this program with this uh, project, that wasn't possible. And oh, it, just, right. it just goes to show you the power of the Internet. Well, and your pictures truly are very unique. Um, you know, and, and obviously I, I look through your website and I love the fact that you know, you you are in your photos, right. so this is not just that you're taking you know pictures of the familykins, right. but you're and so you're posing like you're a mannequin also, you know, and and you have those those expressions and and things like that, and you've it, it definitely is satire because it does poke fun of the fact that women are expected to have the two point three children. Actually, I think you only have a. a a family can girl is that if we just have one well we're contemplating another child but <gasps> oh in frame you know 
This is true, you know, and, and yeah. you know, but a baby <laughs> mannequin, you know, that, that no diapers. I mean, that's that's a benefit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you could adopt an older child. I'm, I'm sure that would be an option. Um, but, you know, it's it, there is this image, especially for women, that if we're not mothers, if we're not married, you know, there there is something, and I'm putting this in huge air quotes and all caps and bold, wrong with us. Right. And you know, it's it is it is definitely changing, and I think that's due in in no large part to the millennials and and you know the Generation Xers and and all of those, and and people definitely wait longer to have families, but you know it this is a way for people to kind of stop and think. Well, wait a minute, maybe a woman can actually be <gasps> fulfilled. <laughs> By not having a family or, you know, maybe they have a significant other, but maybe not having children. It's it's funny. I saw a post on Facebook from a, a friend of mine who she is childless and she was tired of the people who always said, what's wrong with you? Uh-huh. And I thought about that and I've actually only ever had that happen once. We don't have kids. And it was at my 20th high school reunion. I think maybe it was just my 10th, but I think it was my 20th where someone who just absolutely loves his children. I mean, you know, he's devoted to them and and bless him for that. But he told me, he said, you know, that, that I am missing something in my life. And I thought about that for a while and I thought, no, I'm not, you know, and, and, you know, it really is great how devoted he is to his kids and, and that's very special, but it doesn't mean that there's something missing for those of us who don't. Now, you know, if, if you still want that, that's great, but it really doesn't mean that there's this giant puzzle piece that's not there. It just means the puzzle pieces are arranged differently. Right. And what I'm trying to do is, is really jostle people's automatic assumptions Mm -hmm. about how life is supposed to look. Right. And I think also, you know, the, the reason why my photographs are over the top idyllic is to take a stab also at how we're getting caught up, particularly because of social media, in the uh-huh. image of how our lives are supposed to look. And right. we're not really focusing on the true heart of the matter and how our lives feel. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, you know, you're you're poking fun at the perfect family. Exactly. You know, I I love so I'm I'm looking on your website and you you actually took your your little familykins to to Paris. <laughs> now, did you have to pay extra for them to have seats? I mean, this was kind of funny. I, I, I believe me, I tried, but the TSA thought I was a terrorist threat. Oh, and I couldn't. And you had to check them. I I they just wouldn't let me on the plane. Believe me, that would have been the most fabulous footage for my. Oh, oh, I really want that. But eventually, I think if I get my way and I have a TV show um, uh-huh. traveling with the mannequins, that's what we're going to try to do. Get oh, that would be so fun. But we had but, to ship them UPS. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Poor thing. I hope you cut lots of air holes in the boxes. <laughs> um, but, you know, so so the pictures and, and this is so funny. I'm loving this. So so Suzanne took her plastic family, as this one headline calls it. Fiberglass. Yes, I know. I'm like, oh, they're not plastic. <laughs> um, but, you know, that this was French. You know, they probably couldn't spell fiberglass. Um, and so, you know, you took them on vacation. And, and I love that, you know, you are poking fun of the perfect family on the perfect vacation because those don't happen either. You know, and, and I think that's probably, you know, part of, of what you're trying to do is, you know, Everybody has different experiences, and when we try and pigeonhole things into those, whether it's your mom saying, Suzanne, 
you must be married or, you know, oh, my gosh, you have to take the perfect vacation and have, you know, the perfect pose in front of the Eiffel Tower. You know, those things don't always happen, but it doesn't mean there's something wrong. Right. And I, I think that's that's part of what keeps us on this hamster wheel of not embracing our lives for the the happenstance and the serendipity that it is. You cannot ever plan life. That's, right. That's ridiculous to think, but we are chronically still trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it catches us in, in a, what do you call it? A catch 22. You're damned if you do, right. you're damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you can never imagine how life is going to be. And you need to embrace how it's evolved and made you into the fabulous character that you are. Right. I think, you know, even when things go wrong, people don't understand and embrace that for the motivation it is to get focused and get beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I think- well, and, you know, <clears throat> obviously there's tragedies and, and things like that. But it, it, as you said, you, you do have to get beyond it. You're a, right. you, you are a different person when you get beyond right. it. But things happen, um, you know, and and. And I, I love this concept that, you know, the, the perfect family doesn't exist. Right. You know, it, it, it only exists in our minds right. or in fiberglass. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and to me, in a lot of ways, I think social media has made this worse, mm-hmm. you know, because we do see our friends with the perfect families. And, you know, and, and I read somewhere that one of the biggest causes of depression seems to be Facebook because you're either, you know, comparing yourself to the perfect people or you're reading. And then there's, you know, the, the other side of the spectrum, the people who are gloom and doom and, Oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. And so then you get caught up in that and you get depressed. Um, you know, and, and I tell people, I don't, I don't tend to post too many negatives just because, you know, that's just not what I do, but I do post when things happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of these who, you know, every couple of years I seem to break my nose. And I, I know, you know, my, my mother should have named me Klutz. But, um, you know, and, and so I post about that. And I post when things happen, um, you know, because part of it is that, that there is that support system. You know, I remember when my father was very ill and then ended up passing away. Some of the best support I got was from people who were, in essence, total strangers on Facebook. Wow. Um, you know, and, and people who, when I'd be posting at two o'clock in the morning, for some strange reason, they were up at two o'clock and they would respond to me, um, you know, and, and, but we have to watch that on Facebook too, that we can't be so gloom and doomy or we can't be so perfect. Um, you know, and, and so I love the fact that you poke fun at that. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, social media is changing everything about how we perceive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now it used to be you know, keeping up with the Joneses on your own street, right? But now it's keeping up with the Joneses around the world. And and we choose, we curate the moments we share, mm-hmm. which is not a full spectrum of what it is. But, right. you know, I think what you're saying about how you're sharing moments that of, of tragedy as well as triumph um, is – exemplary of how we need to embrace the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so sexy to, to 
want to show the best part of your life, you know, right. and the idyllic moments that happen. I mean, frankly, we used to send postcards when we were in, mm-hmm. in places like Paris to say, see, look where I am. Neener, neener. <laughs> and, and now we do it every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts forming a, a, an abstraction of reality. Right. And it's hard to keep in check how you fit within that framework when chronically comparing yourself to others, which is apples to mm-hmm. oranges. You know, it's not a true uh, comparison. And I think, right. and I, and I think, you know, it's, it just goes to underscore my point that you need to step back from the projected image of life and check in with your own life as it is. So I, I just think this is a really relevant message, particularly in this time when, you know, there's a lot of old world meets new world on the other side of the world. You know, it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just did an interview with um, EBS in South Korea um, where they really do have strong family traditions that are right. now clashing with new world demands. You know, the, the next generation is going out and getting jobs in other places in the world or they're they're interfacing via the Internet um, to uh, countries that are more flexible in their traditions. And, um, you know, even the the uh, interviewer shared with me a story about how his. um fiance left him because of pressure from her parents to marry a certain uh, more appropriate, more traditional um, man. Right. So this is, you know, it's a personal issue that's being felt worldwide. And I think in in other countries, it's a little more vivid, the difference between old expectations and new. I mean, in those photos, the reason why I dress in vintage clothing is to show how antiquated this concept of uh, the perfect life is. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it comes from the generation before us. That's where we get programmed into thinking how life is supposed to be. Right. And uh, we're we're thinking June Cleaver and, you know, father knows best. And and of course, you know, many of, of the people who are listening either have no idea what we're talking about or they've only seen those programs on TV land. Um, but, you know, especially our generation, you know, it's, it's kind of funny how we did grow up with that image, but also with the, the you know, the, the, the mass freedom and, and all of those various things that came in the 70s. And, and so it was very difficult. And, and, of course, our parents did grow up with the, you must marry. I mean, you know, I remember, and, and I think I'm just, you know, a couple years older than you, when people went to people when women went to school to college to get what was known as their MRS degree you were going to college to meet a husband and you know which is i mean you know and and for some people they really they still do that but that really was the goal and you know the generation before us you went to school and you were a teacher mm-hmm. you were a nurse mm-hmm. you know or you were a mother and those really were kind of those those pictures and then when things didn't work out, it was catastrophic, right? You know, and 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 I think that's you know that's that's the fun part of looking at your pictures. Also, is thinking back and thinking, you know, okay, 
Well, we don't have any fun family pictures because somebody's always looking the other way. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. We uh, our family reunion uh, on my mom's side of the family. We honestly don't have, I think, a picture of everybody looking forward because somebody is always poking or dropping an ice cube or doing something to somebody else. You know, so it's it's not bad. They're just having fun. But, you know, it, it we having that perfect image is probably not going to exist. And you know what? That's okay. Right. right. I mean, we're, we're not going to ever achieve that image right and especially in this day and age when families look like a myriad of things mm-hmm. um and and uh you know everything about the family and life expectation is changing but we're still hooked on this this antiquated notion of what it's supposed to be and i just want people right. to to lighten up about that and lighten up mm-hmm. on themselves as well you know i think you need to let your life script itself rather than following mm-hmm. the script that's that's dished out to you from the previous generation. Right. You know, and, and obviously, as, as you were saying, that is difficult in other cultures where it, it's, it, it is very scripted. And, you know, and, and again, we're not saying that that's good or that's bad. That's just the way that is, um, you know, and, and, and I think probably in a lot of ways, social media may be one of the reasons why that is a problem Mm -hmm. because you know people in you know these other countries now granted places like china don't have access to facebook but you know i would bet any amount of money the second somebody gets out of china man they they go and see what facebook is about (laughs) you know and and so you know all of these various things and and of course then you just toss in tv and movies and you know all of that and and it it does have to be difficult and and we're not saying traditions are bad, you know, it's just that things are different. And, you know, sometimes traditions should be upheld and sometimes people shouldn't challenge them. And, you know, but I think it's all about having your own personal freedom to do what you want. Well, freedom inside your own head. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the, the issue for me was I felt as though I was living my life wrong, mm-hmm. according to everybody else. Right. And, uh, you know, everyone, 90% of the population gets married. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the 10% that wasn't. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you feel like the odd man out. Well, how do you stand up to that? And I just right. want to be an example for other people of, of you know, just, <laughs> just because everyone else is jumping off a bridge doesn't mean you have to, too. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, there are people who, I mean, who are the absolute best mothers, parents, fathers in the world. And and they love that, and that is their true right. passion. Right. You know, and, and we're certainly not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But it is okay to not follow those stereotypes. Right. I, I want to read a little bit. This is from one of the articles about when you took your, your plastic family on vacation. So it says, <clears throat> excuse me, Suzanne Heinz has a model family, literally. Her husband, Chauncey. <laughs> And daughter, Mary Margaret, see, and I I think I said that it's not Chauncey, it's Chauncey. (laughs) (laughs) And daughter, Mary Margaret, are mannequins. For over a decade now, the American artist, who is actually single, has taken photos of herself posing with her picture-perfect family to poke fun of society's expectations of what her life should look like. Recently, she took Chauncey and Mary Margaret on a postcard-perfect trip to Paris. The Eiffel Tower, 
Notre Dame Cathedral, the Luxembourg Gardens, quaint little cafes. Last month, the family kins, as Heinz calls her pretend family, saw it all. In the resulting photos, most of which are shots of her and her husband, Heinz's face is vividly expressive, almost frighteningly joyful, <laughs> while Chauncey's is plastic and passive. This jarring contrast is exactly what the artist is going for. I love that. I think that's that's very much what you're trying to say. Exactly. Hey, that's a great article. Which one is that? <laughs> it's the third one. Or it's the second one on your press page. Um, you know, and 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 it really is true. Is we we do tend to put on these plastic faces. Um, you know, and 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 be that jarringly perfect person and that jarringly joyful person. And, you know, either that or the opposite. You know, we mentioned it earlier on Facebook, you know, and, and I mean, we're not talking Twitter. We're not talking LinkedIn. I mean, this is definitely a Facebook phenomenon. We've all seen the people who are either so perfect that you're thinking, oh, my God, I wouldn't want to meet them because I'm going to look so awful next to them. Or they are the gloom and doom people. And you're thinking, should I call somebody about them? <laughs> I, you know, and and I think the ones that, that I like the best are the people who, you know, they've got some good days. They've got some bad days. And most importantly, maybe, is that they don't overshare. We just get to see little bits and pieces. Well, I think, you know, what we're getting at here is all about human connection, right? Mm -hmm. um, the... the the issue in my work is about being human. The issue we're talking about on social media is about being human. And I think right. for, for the value in my story for your listeners is that I am one human being influenced by the Internet and influencing others through mm -hmm. the Internet um, in, a, in a direct human way. In a, in, right. in, a, in a way that uses my own faith to exemplify an issue for people, but also giving it a human face. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what um, a lot of people are missing in their, their social media connections for their business is giving it mm -hmm. a human face. I think it's, you need to connect with people one-on-one -on -one or you're just going to be tossed aside in the, right. the pile of messages being thrown at people. I mean, that's what makes my project effective is that mm -hmm. it's one person out there trying to make a change. And it's, it's me. You can see mm -hmm. me, my face, and I communicate with my followers um, through Facebook, through Twitter. And I'm about to join this new platform called Eight. Well, actually, their their website is weareeight.com, and mm -hmm. I and I think the value in that is because here's why I'm I'm leaving YouTube to to go to eight. They allow you the best of YouTube as well as Facebook in a curated format that allows even better connection than your own website can make. You, wow! You can your your page is um, beautifully designed with all of your work in one place in a, in a way that's digestible. And if they want to know more, they can keep digging. And there's, you also have the great connection that Facebook allows people, which is a direct verbal connection with your 
followers. You can speak to them. They like your work and comment on it, and then you can connect directly with them. Um, Whereas YouTube doesn't permit that kind of interface in, in, it's just more of a random video screen with the ability to comment. It's not a one-stop shop that we are eight is. Um, so that to me is the vital requirement of social media for me in order to keep my, my project and my work going is connection with my followers. You know, if this is about human beings, then we need to have a human face and human connection with our followers. It's, um, it's a two-way street. You can't, right. just, you can't just pontificate and throw out some information and expect people to really be engaged. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the, the, the bonus and the curse about uh, social media is once you've connected with your viewer, you really need to keep that going. You know, you have to give them more, more, more forever. You have to, right. you have to spoon feed them repeat, repeated, fresh, clever content mm-hmm. or your audience is just going to evaporate. So right. I think that's, that's sort of a demand that we didn't really have back in the days of pamphlets. But um, now people expect to be talked to. They expect <sighs> new stuff. They expect to be engaged. That's a lot to live up to, but right. it's, it's well, worth it. You never, and, oh, sorry. And that's where other businesses get so, so frightened. You know, when I talk to them and they, and I say, you know, you should think about using social media. I mean, you know, I'm not going to push it on anybody, but it is, you know, one of the best ways to reach a whole lot of people. And, you know, and, and they'll say, well, what do I post? And can I only post once? And, oh, what do I do if somebody asks me a question? Right. You know, and, and they're, they're afraid of the median, a medium. And that's, you know, and, and it is kind of a scary thing because people, you know, we, we do see the negatives. I mean, we've kind of talked about that, but we see the negatives with business where somebody posts, I hate your business. I got horrible <laughs> service. I got a bad product, yada, yada, yada. And, and so people think, oh my gosh, I don't want to be there. Well, you know what, folks? They're posting about that anyway. Uh-huh. It's better to actually be there and, and get that feedback and, and be able then to, to provide some type of listening. Right. You know, it's, it's funny. It's one of those things where, you know, if we, if we comment and it's not responded to, it's like somebody, like we, we called and left a voicemail message, you know, whatever, and, and it got ignored. If even if, excuse me, if I'm just if I'm complaining about something and, I, and I'll be honest, I almost never do that about a business online. Um, I just don't think that's appropriate. But, you know, if, if somebody say I do complain about a, a restaurant that I went to, if nobody from that restaurant responds, two things happen. The first is I get annoyed and I might post again about it. And then the other thing that happens is all of the other people who had a similar experience kind of come out of the woodwork and they start posting too. So, you know, it's, but if that restaurant had responded and said, oh my gosh, Deb, we are so sorry, please come back and we'll make it right. right. Okay. I'm happy then. Um, you know, and, and, and that's pretty much all it takes. And all we want to do is be heard 
And then we want to be responded to, which is, you know, it's actually kind of ironic with the fact that you have this family that hears you but doesn't respond. (laughs) (laughs) But in, in a lot of ways, that maybe is kind of the point of this is we're not just communicating to mannequins. You know, we're the the people that are that follow us and like us and connect with us and all those you know other terms are real people, right. and we need to treat them like they're real people and not just throw messages at them and hope that someday they'll do something. Right. I think marketing <clears throat> has changed, and and we have democratized mm-hmm. the way that it happens. It, I think it's great that people can. Uh, give you negative feedback because how else are you going to respond to the problems in your business if you don't know about Mm -hmm. them? And I also think it allows you another opportunity to look human. We are, we are so desensitized to these blah, blah, blah messages about how you should buy this or go here, blah, blah, blah. We're tuned out Mm -hmm. until you make a direct human connection with your customer. You're going to just look like everybody else. Right. So I think it's, you know, while it can be frightening, it needs to be embraced as a great strength, mm-hmm. as a means for you to address the issues that aren't going so well in your business and then turn around and and go the extra mile by making your business look responsive and mm-hmm. give it a human face. Right. I am curious. Have you ever had negative comments about your Family can, and then, and then, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, only, only online have I had negative comments. Uh-huh. When people see me working, uh, you know, it's it's kind of charming. It's hysterical, and people uh-huh. have to laugh. So I think that gets past the negativity and judgment that most people would initially have. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at the images online. I mean, especially when the story was misrepresented as crazy woman lives with mannequins for 14 years. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes, that is bad. I mean, that sort of feeds the audience uh, a negative image. They didn't understand that it was an artistic project that, you know, only happened every once in a while. I just thought you were a little off. (laughs) Right. Um, That's when I got extreme judgmental responses as in, well, of course she's not married, you know, and and really negative responses. snarky comments that really didn't talk about the issues of that I'm raising in the project. Mm-hmm. They got caught up in crazy. Right. And as a matter of fact, this is another example of how I responded to my viewer directly mm-hmm. when I got negative comments in my next film. I have a, a series of three films called playing house chapter one, two, and three in, in chapter two, it was called the vows in which I did this experiment where I tried being a bride. Ah. Yeah, I uh, because in Paris I left my mannequin husband behind because he was too expensive to ship home. Chauncey oh, <laughs> had to stay in Paris. So does that mean you're divorced? Well, it certainly looked or, like that. Or we just replaced poor Chauncey. Well, once I found out the the power of this project after I found that it had gone viral, I was like, mm-hmm. uh, I really need to get back with my man. <laughs> Yeah, you reconciled. Oh, how sweet. Well, I mean, it just it, it occurred to me that I couldn't stop there, that mm-hmm. that the potential of this project for really making a dent in social expectations was huge. So I had mm-hmm. to pick up the project again. Well, how was I going to do that when I publicly left my mannequin man in Paris? 
I well, I decided to get back with him in a in a very public way, a, a renewal of the vows. Uh-huh. And so I, I made a film about it to really address issues that uh, involve expectation around the most curated day of your entire life, your wedding day. Uh-huh. Right. So I thought that was pregnant with possibility. Why not? Well, once I did that, uh, I realized that the the potential in this project to talk about mu- multiple um, facets of human expectation was just rich. So mm-hmm. I, I decided to do this as a means to perpetuate the project and also keep doing relevant work. And I think, right. I think you know, what I found was that the images – were a great basis for for the project, but that it could grow through video. And I mm-hmm. think this is a great example of, of how imagery and, and new work is essential to keep your, your business, your project, right. whatever it is, in the limelight. There is so much more potential when you uh, keep evolving what you're doing. You know, I started mm-hmm. out with images that frankly, once you saw them, that was it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know, you can only look at Chauncey and Mary Margaret in front of the Eiffel Tower so many times. Right. But I realized that the, the, the bonus in this was uh, the, the connection with other human beings watching me do it. Mm-hmm. And that was the way to really make a change that the best way was not to hang in a gallery, but the best way was to talk with other people and to use film as a means to connect with other people in a way that I couldn't with the images. Right. Well, and it really doesn't matter what your business is. You should be able to do that. Um, you know, and, and that might mean that you have to really think creatively. Create. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, got to love allergy medication. <clears throat> And so, you know, it, it, because your product might be something that is not conducive to something that is, is very interesting, but you can make every product interesting in some way because you're making it interesting to the people who want to buy it. Right. You know, and, and that's, I think, probably the most important thing to remember is this is, you know, nothing appeals to everybody. And, and so you want to figure out who you're trying to speak to and then market to them. It's, you know, I, I worked with somebody here in Atlanta who they do, uh, they manufacture cardboard boxes. Okay. Now that is just boring, (laughs) but they have done some of the most cool videos that their competitors have said, Ooh, Uh why didn't we think of that? Which that's of course the big thing, but you know, they've done cool videos. They've shown the process, you know, all of these various things. And then they show tricky things like how do you do die cut? And so, you know, it's, it's not going to appeal to everyone, but it appeals to the people who might buy a box that they might need to have die cut or fancy paint or, you know, something like that. And then they, when the thing that they remembered also is they didn't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a production video, exactly. you know, we relate now to the people who have used their smartphones or, you know, those those little things that we still use, which are camcorders. You know, it, now, obviously, it depends on what you're doing. If you're selling a product that costs 
hundreds of thousands of dollars or you know, it was a high end or something like that, then yes, you probably do need to have more of a high end production. But if you're doing boxes or you're showing, you know, how you created this fabulous wedding cake or, you know, things like that, your smartphone is okay, folks. You know, it doesn't have to be spectacular. Now, it should be still well-produced, well-lit, sound, 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 sound has to be good because you don't want people going, what? What they just say? Because they, if they do that, then they're gone. But, you know, video is, is a way that more and more people are really using to stand out from the crowd. Right. I think, you know, with the point you're making uh, about imagery, it, it really is essential. I mean, no one reads without an image attached to it. Right. Um, and video is better. I mean, like what you're saying is it doesn't have to be high tech. Low tech is fine. The audience is very used to low tech video. And as long as your content is interesting, the viewer forgives the the techno, technical technical. Uh, image like you're saying audio is not forgivable but um you know low-tech imagery is very common and they i think that also gives you another advantage and then it makes you look human Mm -hmm. right you know and 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 i think that is probably one of the biggest things for people to remember is when we get too produced i mean what did they they say in this uh in the story about you you were overly joyous right um you know fright fright Frighteningly joyful, that was it. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. If if you're too of anything, right. then we're not real any longer and people can't relate to us. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and there are those people, you know, there's, there's, hello, there's that woman called Kim Kardashian <laughs> and, you know, or, or movie stars, you know, and, or celebrities or people like that. You're, you want to be the person that somebody can go to coffee with. Right. And, you know, just have an enjoyable time doing that. And and I think that's where people forget what they're doing when they post also, you know, on, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. It is about mixing things up. You know, we all have the friends on Facebook or Twitter or, or even LinkedIn who are the one post wonders. Mm-hmm. They're only going to post about one thing, you know, whether it's their family, you know, okay, that's fine. Whether it's their product, what they sell, what they do, but they're, they're the mannequins when they do that. You know, they've got just that one thing that they talk about and pretty soon we tone them out. You know, we, we don't pay any attention to them because they're not real to us. You know, I want to know, you know, who watched television last night? What did you think of, you know, whatever it was? And, you know, now the one thing I really don't want to hear about is somebody's politics, but that's, you know, that's a different subject. Um, but I, I do want to hear about those things, and I want to hear about the good. I want to hear about the bad. But again, little pieces, folks. There is TMI. We don't need to know every detail of your life, which, you know, it, and, and just think of it as you don't want to hear every detail of everybody's life. So please don't assume that they want to hear every detail of your life. Well, I think that's that's it. I mean, social media needs to be relevant. If you're going to share it, it's got to be relevant to others. Otherwise, right, keep right. it to yourself. And I think that's, mm-hmm. um, that is a strength and a weakness that people don't really take into account. They just kind of spew out what they think they want to say, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. don't uh, keep in, in check who's listening and whether or not they're going to respond to that. Um, you know, we are over inundated with, with messaging mm-hmm. and we have gotten 
very sophisticated filters that are almost automatic right, in right. tuning things out. So it's absolutely essential that what you're saying is not only relevant, but sort of a pleasure to read or watch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, particularly in, in uh, messaging that's kind of heavy handed, you're doing yourself a disservice. That, right. that is exactly why I became a satirist, because what I'm trying to do is kind of serious business. But nobody wants to hear it when it's not packaged correctly. Right. What humor does is it gets past people's filters and allows them to think in a different way. Otherwise, you just hit a Teflon pan and you don't mm-hmm. you don't make an impact. You don't make any change. You have to get to the human inside the decision making that they do. Oh, right. Well, well, and what you're really saying too is that you know, we we do truly have to stop and think what is you know what are we saying you know is it drivel that nobody's going to pay any attention to or is it something that you know at least some of the people will pay attention to you know it, it, we all need to remember not everybody sees every post and yada 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 but you know it so it takes a little bit to write that good content and i think that's where business owners they get a little frightened off also because they think, I don't have time. I don't have time to that. And I tell them, pretend like you're talking to somebody on the phone or you're talking to him at a networking meeting. You've only got this snippet of time. And, you know, so, so it needs to be very impactful because if you just say, hi, how are you? They go, oh, I'm fine. And then you wander <laughs> off. Yeah. If you also walk up and say, hey, I've got this great new product, they walk off. Right. But if you walk up and you say, hi, Suzanne, how are you doing? You know, and you, you establish this little chit chat and then you say, you know, what? I've got a new product. If you're interested, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about it. If you say yes, then I continue, right. which that's where that that yes on social media is. They have connected with you. Right. That means they want that information. Right. But then you still only give it in dribs and drabs. You know, it, it is kind of the, the old school marketing. Leave them asking for more. Right. You know, if they're interested, they'll contact you for more. If you gave so much that you turned them off, then you turn them off forever. Exactly. It's just like dating, really. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we don't get married on the first date unless we're a reality show. Right. You know, the guys who come up and give you a line, you're like, oh, please. And you give them a mm-hmm. hand. But the, the ones who come up and actually start a conversation with you and treat you like a person, they're the oh, ones right. that you talk to. Mm-hmm. And it's a I've never done speed dating. I've been married for for over twenty years, and speed dating kind of you know it came after that. But I've it's always been a fascinating concept. With you know you've got what is three minutes or so. I mean, how can you impress upon somebody in three minutes that you know you at least want to have coffee with them? And you know, and and I've been to business networking events where we've done the same thing, where you get three minutes. And I'll be honest, I hate those. <laughs> you know, that just and it, it's because you're not establishing that rapport. You know, you're, you're so concerned with, I have three minutes, and you know, and, and so we forget what the message is that we're supposed to be putting out there. Right. And it has to be genuine. Right. You know, and, and the forced, gee, you have three minutes to tell somebody about it, that's not genuine, not in the slightest. Because for one thing, you're just going through the, the rows of people. <laughs> and 
some of them are going to care about what you do, and I don't care what it is. You know, some of them are going to care, and some of them are going to think, Ugh, can can we just make the bell ding so I can move on? Um, you know, and 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 to me again, that's social media. It's it's giving people content that they want, and you'll know if they don't want it. You know, they either don't share it, or they you know they unlike your page, or unfriend you, or or do whatever. And that's the good judge. You know, I've had people who have said, well, how do I know if people are understanding what I'm putting out there. And I say, well, do they, is it going off into the vacuum or are they interacting with you? And, you know, and then that comes back to time of day and, you know, all those various things. But if you're just continually putting content out there and nothing happens, you're wasting your time. You know, you need to rethink it. Why didn't it work? Was it the wrong time of day? Did it not contain an image? You know, it's funny when when you were talking about having images, I had this flashback to when, and they probably still do say this, you know, you see somebody buying Playboy magazine and they look at you very sheepishly and they say, I only buy it for the articles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, they're looking at the pictures, folks. (laughs) And and the same thing is happening on social media. A photo captures somebody's attention. You know, even better is a video. I love the feature now on Facebook where if I upload a video straight to it, you know, not linking to it, but I upload it straight there, it automatically plays. Uh-huh. I'm like, ooh, now, you know, it, it, of course, the flip side of that is I hate the videos that automatically <laughs> play. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it is, it, you have to be thinking of how do you capture somebody's attention? Right. Whether it's the story, whether it's the content, you know, all of those various things have to go into it to catch somebody's attention. And I don't, you know, it's like we said before, it doesn't matter what your product or service is. There are ways to do that. Right. I, you know, I think um, people who use canned imagery Mm-hmm. are doing themselves a disservice. It, you know, I think the, even if it's not slick, right, right. an image is how people judge whether or not they're interested in a split second. Mm-hmm. That is the door into your follower or your customer. Right. Um, so your images that you choose should never be repeated. Uh, they, they need to be engaging in a, a split second. And, you know, what, what's great about video is that it changes over time. It's mm-hmm. not something like, oh, I saw that. So I, I think imagery is the key to getting noticed. And it needs to be given that kind of import for for anyone who's trying to use it. I you know, I have friends who who chronically use the same image when they when they're when they're posting and it's like, "Oh, right. there they go again." And the last thing you want your viewer to think is, "Oh, here's this again." So, I think well, the, the Yeah, because then they don't read what you you've put. Exactly. You know, it's it's the kind of the old boy who cried wolf story. Right. You know, oh, they post the same thing over and over, so I'm never going to pay attention to them. You know, and and we might not unfriend them, but I unfollow people. Right. You know, I might, which is one of those cool little hidden features of right. Facebook is you can unfollow somebody mm-hmm. and their content doesn't show anymore, but you're still their friend. So they're still seeing your content. <laughs> sneaky sneaky about that. But, yeah, I mean, there are people who they do. They use the same image or they're only talking about the same thing over and over and over again. 
And the problem is then I miss when there's something important because I don't pay attention or I, you know, I, I just stop following them. I, I also think that, you know, the, the fact that Twitter now embraces imagery goes to show you right. just how important the image is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it's just a link or just a headline, you're not going to get noticed. I, you know, as a photographer and a filmmaker, I'm here to tell you, that's what got me noticed. Mm-hmm. It's not what I had to say or how I said it. It was the images and the 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 standout nature of the, those images right. that underscored the standout nature of what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I think that's the most important consideration when someone's using social media is how are you using that first split second when you connect with your viewer? Right. Well, and if you, you know, if you look at your news feed, <clears throat> whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, those are the, the primary platforms. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about Instagram because that's only images. Same with with Pinterest. But it still is mainly text. So if you have that image, especially on Twitter, holy cow, mm-hmm. you know, it, it pops out at you. So think about that image. What is it that you want people to be seeing and to, to you know, as you said, that's their first impression. What makes them stop and think, oh, I have to look at this. And I don't care if it's, you know, the, the, the familykins or a box or the, you know, the, the special at the local restaurant Something will capture somebody's attention and, and figure out how to do that in a way that, that really is going to make them stop. Right. I mean, I think that's the most important investment you can make in any any social platform now is, you know, new, fresh, interesting, posterized images to stop your viewer in their tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it also needs to be supported with a headline that is digestible quickly and is clever no one's going to hear we have a fabulous product Mm -hmm. (laughs) right i mean you know here's a great example so this is back on your press page and and you didn't write this you know whoever this publication is did but their headline reads spinster photographer which i don't like that word but spinster photographer poses with mannequin family to depict the american dream I read that and I think, what the heck? <laughs> I'm going to read the story right. because I thought, what the heck? Right. You know, and, and so think of things like this. You know, it's what and, and maybe it's not your headline. It's your first sentence. You know, it's it's all of those things that get people to stop and read it. You know, I, I'm connected with several thousand people and, and, you know, many thousands of people. And, and so things go past on my news feed or on my Twitter feed very quickly. So what is going to capture my attention? And it's, you know, it's the picture. It's that first sentence. It's, it's in many ways, it's the first couple of words, you know, and, and having I have, I will, I do, eh, <laughs> you know, that's not going to stop me. If, you know, something like spinster photographer, okay, what the heck does that mean? Or, you know, the family can go to Paris. What the heck is a family can? You know, I, I want to stop and read more about that. Right. And exactly. That's that's I want to bring up the fact that um, my project went viral twice. And the mm-hmm. first time it was unintentional. I didn't I wasn't prepared. I didn't know that this was going to happen. You know, I, someone ran my story and then it got picked up around the world. Mm-hmm. I quickly scrambled together 
a website <laughs> right stating my purpose but at mm-hmm. that point at that time the story was already out that I was a crazy spinster woman living with mannequins mm-hmm. um and I spent the, the better part of a year trying to fix that with films and content and writing right. for Huffington Post but a year later the project went viral again after someone had posted my story on Reddit mm-hmm. and at that time I was prepared. I had my statement ready. I wrote an article for Board Panda in which I spoke from my perspective, explaining my intention. So what I found was that I was able to address the negative, sensationalized headline mm-hmm. of, you know, spinster portrays, you know, Crazy spinster poses with mannequins. I was able right. to address that directly mm-hmm. and spin it to my advantage. In my article that I wrote for Board Panda, I, I used one of those sensationalized headlines to make someone go, what the heck? And mm-hmm. then I spun it around on them and said, yes, it seems crazy. You labeled me as crazy. You've just proven my point. And then I turned right. around and, and explained what my intent was so being prepared and intentional in what you release and how you embrace the uh the negative in how you're perceived can also be a huge strength in propelling your message Mm -hmm. i I never imagined that i would embrace the term crazy i spent (laughs) i spent a better part of a year fighting it but until until i did that I didn't realize how my viewer had to see me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't using it to my advantage and you know once I had the year to gain that perspective and I was prepared on how to address that issue I I was fighting I was going against the grain. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you need to do in all aspects of social media is understand how you look to other people right and then use that to your advantage. Definitely. Well, Suzanne, we are at the end of the program and we've just barely scratched the surface because aside from anything else, we haven't talked about any of your upcoming projects and things that you're doing besides your familycons, which means that we just have to have you on again so that you can talk about them. So before we leave, tell people again how they find you and connect with you online. Okay. So my website is SuzanneHeinz.com, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E. H-E-I-N-T-Z dot com. I also have a special website just for the film work, which is called PlayingHouseProject.com, which features the trilogy of films that I'm uh, putting together. I'm, I finished two, and now I'm on the third. It's called Playing House, The Next Generation, in which I explore what my generation is doing to the youngest generation in their programming of social expectations. Wow. I love it. I love it. So we definitely have to have you on again to talk about this because, you know, the the program isn't just about how to use social media. It is about other things that are much more important. And and so we will definitely have you on again. Awesome. I'd love to be here. Great. Great. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. And, you know, look forward to having you on again. For those who aren't connected with me online, it's pretty easy. It's just debcreer.com, D-E-B-K-R-I-E-R. And until next time, Have a great day. Thanks so much, Deb. It was a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.